0: Well, I think one of like the biggest issues with the stigma mental illness is that it's seen as different than a physical ailment, and I think that that's wrong. I think that like if you had diabetes, no one would be like, you're weak for needing insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that your brain is wired differently, and you just like you need help. Mm-hmm. And honestly, to me, I feel like being on meds lets me be myself in a way that I can't be when I'm not on meds.
1: Welcome to Persister with Candice Lowry. I am Candice Lowry. What is a persister? A persister is a little play on words of nevertheless she persisted, but also a woman who has truly broken through that glass ceiling and has really forged a path and a name for herself in whatever business she's in. Persister with Candice Lowry is a CastBox original produced alongside Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both both iOS and Android, where you can find all of your favorite podcasts. You can listen to Persister with Candace Lowry wherever you get your podcasts. But I hope you'll give CastBox a shot because I think it's the best. everybody, welcome back to Persister with Candace Lowry. I am Candace Lowry, and today I'm so excited to have Allison Raskin with me today and her little dog, Sugar, who's hiding under the table.
0: Much closer to you. <laughs> yeah. Which I find offensive.
1: You know, I have a new friend. And
0: so, <laughs> um, but let's see,
1: let's just go down the docket here. Um, new York Times bestseller, right? Yes. Okay. Um, comedian. Writer of podcast gossip, yes, and I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, YouTube phenomenon.
0: All right, a little <laughs> strong, but I'll allow it. <laughs>
1: and I guess just overall writer too. I've been seeing a lot of your work, like in L, that we'll get into, and um, just I think too, I would say mental health advocate.
0: Yes. As well, <laughs> I, I will strongly stand by that, much more than YouTube phenomenon. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, so I like to start every episode with like a little bit of an icebreaker, kind of just a fun question Great. before we get into the deep stuff. Um, <laughs> you are a Desperate Housewives yes, fan. Yes, huge. Okay, I've never seen the show. Wow. I'm looking for a new show.
0: Gotta do it. But will I will I like it? Well, I don't really know you that well. <laughs> um, it depends on what kind of stuff you like. Okay. Like, um... Do you watch Jane the Virgin?
1: Yeah, I've watched James? the whole first season. I haven't finished it, but I liked it a lot. You didn't keep going? No, I binged it on an airplane.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> and I then think I got that's like track. the best show on TV. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely give it a go. Okay. It, uh, I think it's great. I also really like his other show, Devious Maids.
1: Oh, I remember when that came out Lifetime, right? Yeah,
0: it's incredible. Um, okay. All my favorite shows are from Lifetime.
1: <laughs> I wish I was
0: kidding. Um, <laughs> did you just see, did you see the Bad Seed remake?
1: No. That just came out. It's like a t- made-for-TV movie on Lifetime.
0: Oh, I have to. It's trash, but it's great. I'm watching <laughs> you right now. Oh, I
1: wanted to start
0: that. Okay, so start that. With Pin Badgley? Yeah. Okay. I I know this is sacrilege, but for you, based on what you've told me about yourself, I'm going to recommend you over Desperate Housewives. Okay.
1: <laughs> I've been wanting to see that really badly. I've heard it's, like, very overdramatic and great.
0: I think it's impeccable. I think okay. it's, like, I think for what it's trying to do, it's doing it perfectly. <laughs> and I also read the book that it's based on. I've read both okay. books that it's based on, and, like, I think that the adaptation, like, as a writer, I'm like, wow, really great job, everyone. <laughs> Just handwriting letters to people, really great job. I'm doing a guerrilla marketing campaign. It's all I talk about with people. (laughs) Um, So
1: I want to talk a little bit about, leading into that, about the podcast that you wrote. Yes. Um, You were telling me y'all shot one whole season in nine days.
0: Yeah, so it was a pretty crazy schedule. It was a twelve episode scripted, uh, comedic soap opera podcast called mm-hmm. Gossip. Please listen to it now. Um, available everywhere. All episodes are out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so we basically I wrote a, a pilot and I had a pitch and I sold it to Stitcher and then I got a small writers room with two wonderful lady writers who helped me take all the episodes, make all the episode outlines, mm-hmm. um, and then I took the outlines to script, which was insane and a lot of words. Um, (laughs) And then, yeah, and then we kind of shot it like a movie. We had all the the scripts locked and we had nine days and we had like 30 actors and we just like plowed through and um, I play one of the main characters and then I also directed all the episodes. Oh my God. (laughs) So It was a lot.
1: (laughs) From like conception to wrapping, how long does that usually take?
0: I think that the writer's room started in... November or December, and then we recorded in March. And then the episodes started dropping. We had to have all the episodes locked um, by June 14th. Okay, And then, oh my god. Yeah, because they they all came out on Stitcher Premium and then they came out once a week um, with ads.
1: (laughs) So how do you find an actor, I guess, a voice actor? Do you look, like when you're auditioning them or looking for them, do you just close your eyes while they're talking? (laughs)
0: Um, I cast a lot of it, uh, just people I knew, people I'd worked with, people I wanted to work with. And then the rest of the parts, I had a casting director who really helped fill fill it out. Um, for the bigger parts, a lot of we like, did a lot of offer onlys. Um, and then for some of the other parts, she would just send me auditions. And the auditions are just mm. audio. Wow. So you're just listening to that and just picking through that. Wow. Yeah.
1: Cool. So I know that a lot of our listeners are like younger women that want to be writers or kind of – breakthrough into entertainment, mm-hmm. and I think it was really nice to hear that you were in a writer's room with women, and yeah. <laughs> I rarely hear
0: that. <laughs> well, I was the boss, so I was like, I only want women. Because <laughs> <laughs> even in...
1: I just saw Halloween. Oh, I and haven't And it. so it's, like, very female-focused, but there wasn't any women writers mm. that I saw. And so I'm wondering, like, what your advice is to you know, female writers that feel like still they don't see enough representation and kind of get discouraged by seeing that?
0: I think it's on it's on the shoulders of people who are higher up to hire women. You know, like I was in a position where I got to pick who I worked with. So I said, I only want to work with women. And I think that like that's on women to do and then also on on men to do and to just like, you know, promote women and hire women and give them that foot in the door so that they can they can rise up themselves and like keep the cycle going yeah sorry it's okay so are you sorry. dying yes oh my god just the You're idea making of me more cry. women writers I know.
1: <laughs> yeah just making me uncomfortable already <laughs> uh, oh my god <laughs> no but i was listening i promise this is going so well right now um yeah i mean i think that that that's totally true and that you know i think i'm starting to see a little bit of change you know as time goes on but um i'm just wondering like you're from new york Mm -hmm. like you're not from new york city though right you're from from right outside the city yeah so a true suburb (laughs) so how do you kind of make this move from growing up in new york and then making it all the way out to los angeles and just kind of biting the bullet there
0: I was really lucky in that I knew what I wanted to do from a young age. Like I, From like 15 on, I was like, I'm going to be a writer. Um, I still can't believe it's happening. Pretty cool. <laughs> um, and so I, I came out to California, to L.A. for USC screenwriting program. And okay. so it actually made the transition a lot easier because I came out here when I was 18 and I just never left. Yeah. So my whole adult life has been in L.A. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think that that helps. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I just, you know, like USC was it was a great program. I was interning while I was in school, so I got to like see like the business side of stuff and mm-hmm. um I also just got to write a ton. Like I left USC with like three features, like two specs of existing shows, a p- original pilot. Like, you know, I just got all my shit out. Like mm-hmm. I was able, you know, cuz you Your first script isn't going to be your best script. It's going to be something you'll never want to read again. Um, (laughs) And so, to just kind of like slog through all of that while like I was still in like a nice environment with like a professor who would give me like great notes, (laughs) it was very helpful.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you've you've written multiple books, when I see okay, when I see that someone's written a book, I'm like, how do you make it past like twenty pages?
0: It's hard. Yeah, it's really hard. (laughs) Honestly. Both books had very loose outlines and then I just we just like wrote them just like trying to hit a word count. (laughs) Like I honestly wish that I could be like and the story came to me and it just like overflowed and I had to edit it so much because it was I went too long. No, it was like, okay, we're close to 60K words. Let's wrap this up. We are almost done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So when you and Gabby wrote the book together, um, how much of it was true stories that had happened to
0: you? Well, it's a novel, so technically, none of it. Okay. Um, but...
1: Because <laughs> I remember you said, I saw an interview you said something about where you were trying to kiss someone, and you were like, does this count as my first kiss, and... Like, I mean, oh. so,
0: right, so, like, the characters are, like, loosely based off of the characters like Abby and I play on yeah. our YouTube channel, but they're younger, um, and it's a YA novel about, like, two best friends who separate for the first semester of college, and all of their emails and texts back and forth. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> you know... To enrich the character, like my character goes to USC for college, her character goes to Emerson for college, where right. she really went. So, like, a lot of it was pulled from real life, <laughs> but I, I think that because we are, in a sense, public figures, people assume that a lot more is versus like every novelist pulls from their own life. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I, my guess is probably like about maybe a bit more than what a <laughs> normal novelist would pull from. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how did you guys meet? We met doing stand-up in L.A. Okay. Mm-hmm. So being a
1: female stand-up comedian as well, um, do you see that there is... <laughs> My dog is exploring. Oh, it's okay. She... Oh, you can do it. Good girl. Oh, what if she just knocked over all these lights? Just <laughs> started a fire? <laughs> um, so I feel like you and Gabby are pretty opposite, but it's like opposite attract. You know, and like when I had you guys on... Um, at Pop Sugar and I unfortunately made you drink. <laughs> Have you had another drink since that day? I uh, about two. Okay. <laughs> um, that you kind of build these friendships off of one another and I've found that sometimes when you're friends with people in the same industry as you, you can kind of get competitive with one mm-hmm. another and it's hard to foster like a healthy relationship with one another. So I'm wondering how you and Gabby have found a way or any other friend really that's in the same environment as you where you've kind of put that competition aside and been able to kind of help one another and work with one another
0: yeah I mean I think that Gabby and I having a healthy relationship is a is a new thing (laughs) I I think we finally got through the weeds or whatever the expression Mm -hmm. is Uh, there were years of of torment and fighting and issues and problems and jealousy and competitiveness and uh you know problems (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and I spent many an hour in therapy talking about it Mm -hmm. and I think that a lot of it is just like having to grow up and mature and like I think as that happens you lose a lot of your jealousy and you Mm -hmm. lose a lot of your competitiveness and then I also think that really defining what our roles were in the partnership was Mm. very important Um, and that we bring different things to the table on that and that it doesn't need to appear to the world like it's a 50-50 split on everything Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I mean it took a lot of work it's I put by far the most work of any relationship into my relationship with Gabby (laughs) and you know what was just with her a moment ago. So <laughs> and you're happy to get yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking Went to Cantors for lunch. <laughs> oh I love it was that lovely. Place. Yeah.
1: Um, but speaking of therapy, I feel like, you know, you have talked a lot about mental health mm-hmm. and recently you wrote um an article about gaining weight on antidepressants. Yes. And I thought that was that very much touched home to me. Um, because I also feel like I kind of gained weight when I started antidepressants, but you're in this mode of like, okay, do I want to be a couple pounds overweight or do I literally like want to live? live, (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So what, you know, when you, when your dad kind of like passed you that note, (laughs) I mean, what, how, what was kind of running through your mind when you
0: saw that? Yeah, so what she's referring to listeners is when my dad handed me a post-it note with what the average what the healthy weight for someone my age and height was and said I was over it. Uh in his defense, he was correct. <laughs> um, I was I was mad, I was hurt, I was upset. I mean, uh, like obviously that wasn't the best way to handle a situation. He understands that now. We're on great terms. He's a wonderful father. Um but you know, I came to a breaking point. Like I came to a point when I was like, I, I don't want to be at this weight anymore. I'm I'm willing to try a different medication. I was lucky that I have a great psychiatrist who like doesn't just fill out like doesn't just fill out a prescription and mm-hmm. hand it to me and see me every six months, like I see my psychiatrist pretty regularly and especially when I'm changing meds and we talk about things, we're not just talking about medication and side effects, we're talking like she she's actually given me like a lot more tools than I've gone in regular therapy. Mm-hmm. Um and so with her help I was like I you know I just this isn't working for me anymore I just I need to I need something else and so she was like well there's another medication that's that's newer and it's um and it's it has less side effects and, and then we ended up pairing it with another medication mm-hmm. and you know um it's been a journey it's <sighs> like it to, it would be a lie to say that like it it didn't change my life in a big way I'm I've lost about 13 of the 20 something pounds, and I'm still going, you know, (laughs) still Still, chugging, yeah, still (laughs) thinking about my weight in a way I've never really had to in Mm -hmm. other times in my life. Um, but it was worth it because I was in a horrible place, and Mm -hmm. the Zoloft got me out of that place and they like gave me my life back. And it and also it gave me a life I'd never had before because I'd been on meds on and off my whole life, but I'd never. Had done the mental work to mm-hmm. that you need to pair with the meds. Mm-hmm. So I could never get to to the place I was on with the Zoloft where I was like, I, I felt at peace in this way that I had never felt before. I was like, oh my God, this is what other people's brains are like. Yeah. Like th- the moment when I felt that, I was like, Whew, worth it.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like you finally wake up and you're like, I actually feel things. <laughs> like,
0: other than just Hating everything. Well, you know I mean? she was feeling too much, like mm. just feeling so anxious, so I every mean, everything was, it was like so upset, so sad. So you know, like mm-hmm. they were so extreme, and like to like I, not, I don't want to be numb. Honestly, I would love to be numb, but like <laughs> <laughs> you know, to like level to level me out so that it wasn't jumping from so high to so low to so you know, and mm-hmm. um, and on this new. On these new combos, I I think I'm I think it's doing the exact same work that the Zoloft was. Like I don't I don't see a significant difference.
1: Yeah, and I know like when I so I volunteer for the suicide hotline, and when I'm talking to people and they want to make this initial step to go see a psychiatrist to mm-hmm. even talk about medication, right? It's always like I mean like that was the hardest part for me too, where I was like. Do I, it's almost like I was seeing myself as weak to have to get the medication. So, you know, what would you say to someone who, you know, that it's okay to go and seek out help and, you know, start
0: being on medication and explore that option? Well, I think one of like the biggest issues with the stigma mental illness is that it's seen as different than a physical ailment, and I think that that's wrong. I think that like if you had diabetes, no one would be like you're weak for needing insulin. Mm-hmm. Um I think that your brain is wired differently and you just like you need help. Mm-hmm. And honestly, to me, I feel like being on meds lets me be myself in a way that I can't be when I'm not on meds. Mm-hmm. Like it's I think a lot of people are worried about like losing their personality. And again, like all those stories and those horror stories, that's because someone's on the wrong medication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not like, oh, we have one thing that everyone is on at the same dose and then, like, <laughs> good luck, you know? Yeah. Like, there's so many meds. There's so many combinations of meds. There's also pairing it with talk therapy, pairing it with exercise, eating well. Like, it's, you have to make your mental health a priority. And mm-hmm. I think that if you view it as a physical ailment that needs help and that you just, like, need medical assistance with, and like, you lose a lot of that stigma, mm-hmm. hopefully
1: yeah i feel like i kind of got my personality back when i got home, totally i was not a good person <laughs> of um but i want to take a little break really quick but then kind of get back into you know moving through mental illness working with it um and also kind of how it affects your work and how it also becomes part of your work um so we'll be right back Let's talk about LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. It is the de facto environment for B2B marketers and advertisers to drive brand awareness, generate leads, and build long-term purposeful relationships that result in real business impact. It's all about marketing to who matters. Advertising on LinkedIn's network of more than 575 million members is precise and powerful with the ability to effectively target the right message to the right people while they're in a professional mindset, resulting in higher quality leads, more website traffic, and higher brand awareness. When it comes to marketing your business, it's all about reaching the right audience at the right time, and I will say that every job and every step that I've made in my career has come from LinkedIn, whether it's from me applying to a job or being contacted by a recruiter, LinkedIn has seriously been a godsend to me for my career, and LinkedIn can help you, too. When you advertise on LinkedIn, the world's largest professional network, you have the opportunity to build long-term relationships with your customers. Relationships that often translate into high-quality leads, website traffic, and higher brand awareness. The first step is talking to the right audience. With a community of over 575 million professionals on LinkedIn, you have access to a diverse group of people searching for the things they need to grow professionally. LinkedIn has the marketing tools to help you target your customers with precision, down to their job title, company name, and industry. Because better targeting equals a message your customers care about, which in turn leads to more trust built with your customers. In fact, four out of five customers who are on LinkedIn are decision makers at their companies. So you're building relationships that really matter. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash Candace. That's linkedin.com slash Candace for your free $100 ad credit. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash C-A-N-D-A-C-E. All right, welcome back to Persister. Um I have Allison with me here. She did not leave. She's still here. I tried to grab
0: me back. <laughs>
1: um I threatened her with sugar. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um but yeah, let's get into a little bit about how to mental health has and can affect work. Mm-hmm. Um do you did you feel like when you have these days where you're struggling, it's harder to work or you feel like it helps inspire in a way, um, you know?
0: My mental health deteriorates the quickest when I don't have work. Mm -hmm. So when I'm bored or when I feel unfulfilled or when I'm like panicking that I don't have anything to do or my career is over, you know, like (laughs) earlier today. And um, so that's really when I have to be proactive about like keeping it under control. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm like kind of in between stuff and like waiting on notes and waiting on a contract. And so like I understand in theory that i have work coming my way Mm -hmm. but the day-to-day for like the last couple of weeks has been me not and so that's when i'm like here we go like (laughs) better not jump off a cliff (laughs) (laughs) and and a lot of that is you know me having to make a lot of social plans and Mm -hmm. and fill my days and and like even though it's like annoying and like kind of pathetic to feel like i have to like keep reaching out to people. Who have these full lives while I have nothing going on. (laughs) Um, I you know, I have to do that because otherwise I know that my mental health will will take a really bad turn for the worse. So like even today I was like to Gabby, I was like, What are you doing tomorrow night? Because I have no plans all day Mm -hmm. and I have to do something at night or I'll lose my mind. (laughs) And she was like, Um, I guess okay. (laughs) Like, you know. (laughs) And like that's like an embarrassing thing to have to say. Like, even to your best friend, like you don't want to admit that like you're just like so bored and you have nothing Mm -hmm. and, and that like is really where I struggle, and I, I do a lot better when I'm busy and when I feel like my life is full. Um, and it's it's hard for me not, not to be working, even yeah. though I hate working, I hate it
1: so much, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm glad actually you said that, because I kind of feel that way, where mm-hmm. I have this problem where, now it's just a Candace therapy session. <laughs> <and now it's laughs> so please. Many, um, no, I have this problem where I'm like, I'm too busy. Like, I never get time to relax or to settle down. And then as soon as I have nothing to do, I, like, start going crazy. And I'm like, am I a loser? Like, I have no friends. Like, all these things. And it's just like... If I don't stay busy and miserable, like, I'm worse. Yeah. I don't know. It's like I can't be alone. And it's something that I'm trying to work on, but it's hard.
0: It's really hard. It's I mean, I I work from home, but right now I'm just hanging out at home because I'm not really working. And so um, it's really challenging. And, and for me, like, the OCD and the anxiety, like, that's when, when there's silence and when there's nothing there. That's mm-hmm. when they're like, hey want to hang out like, yeah. like why don't we think about this yeah your life's over you don't have a career and you're never gonna you're never gonna work again and it's like but i i just sold the tv show it's like shut up no <laughs> that, that contract will never come through like leave me alone you know and it's you got just, lucky <laughs> yeah like it's just endless and so i have to like keep it at bay and like honestly it was really hard when we had that heat wave because i was bit i was bored and i like couldn't even go for a walk mm-hmm. and so i was like really struggling there because like Just going for a walk is helpful. Just like leaving my home. Just getting out. I live like near a lot of like shops and walkable places. And so I'll just like go do that. And like feeling (laughs) like I couldn't even do that. Like that's when I'm like okay. This is when I have to like really be diligent. Mm -hmm. And not let myself like completely fall apart. And I think that the meds are what helps me from doing that. Like yeah. the meds, like I I still have lows, like I still have hot, like it's not like I'm like neutral all the time by any mm-hmm. means, but like it keeps me from like completely tumbling.
1: Yeah, I I definitely feel that as well, and I'm just like, and it's almost like you find a weird comfort in falling back into that low, like when I'm at no, that I don't. low. Oh my god, it's I like, hate it. I get this weird like, just stay. Just stay in your bed, like don't leave. It's fine, and then I'm like comforted by being depressed. It's weird.
0: No, yeah, I get that, and I think I think that I um, I do have symptoms of depression, but for me, I've, I dread the anxiety much more mm-hmm. than the depression, um, because the anxiety is is panic and like it's it's uncomfortable and it's physically uncomfortable and it's mm-hmm. like all consuming. You get hot, um, yeah. sweaty. <laughs> Actually, I'm very sweaty, but that's because of the meds. So <laughs> that's my new side effect. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard, and it's it's hard to not feel like this this nothing will be my entire life. Mm-hmm. It's like I get into these places where I'm like, why am I even alive? This is mm-hmm. so pointless. Everything is so like I I have nothing like. There's, is this going to be just how I am every day until I die? Like it's, you know, and like you go to those extremes yeah. because that's what your and anxiety what, does. And
1: then I'm like, I'm going to die one day. And then I'm like, what happens next? And then I'm just
0: rolling. Well, I'm just like, I'm just going to die in this apartment. I'm never going to leave. I'm never going to have plans again. Um, I'm going to be gonna alone forever. to take care forever. Like, yeah, I'm like, oh, like, thank God I have sugar for something to live for. You know, and so it gets rough. And then what's really interesting is like the outside perspective is like, Oh my God, Allison! Like you've got so much going on. Yeah, and I'm like, no, I'm I'm painfully bored. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it says something
1: too with people who have careers. Um, a lot of my friends in entertainment, where it's kind of like they don't have a steady like full time job, mm-hmm. and there's something great about that, but then there's something really scary about that sometimes, because you can find yourself almost like writing emotionally on how many views you have that day or, like, how many uh, jobs you're having. And so how do you kind of maintain this just kind of level-headedness on those slower times?
0: I'd love to say that I always do. Um, <laughs> no. I, it's, a, it's a journey. I mean, I've gotten better at it. I've gotten a thicker skin. I've, I've tried to look, like, bigger picture. I think a lot of my OCD makes me feel very... Very guilty if I'm not working, and so mm. a really huge part of my process was learning that it was okay to not always be working. Mm-hmm. So like me being able to like take these couple of weeks off where I haven't been writing anything, or, or really working on anything, um, I could not have done a couple years ago. Like mm. I would have just like started a new project or like forced myself to work on something, even though like objectively I don't I don't need to because I right. have projects that are are going to be coming <laughs> my way soon. I just not today. Right. Um, And so, like, learning to be okay with that and not to hate myself for that and not to feel like a piece of shit and then I was lazy and then I, like, contribute nothing to society, you know? Like, (laughs) honestly, like, learning to be okay with, like, being bored (laughs) was, like, a huge huge journey that I'm still figuring out. Yeah. Now I can get away with not working and not feeling guilty. It's more just, like, how do I keep the anxiety at bay when Mm -hmm. I'm bored? And so Mm -hmm. that's, like, the next step.
1: Yeah, and on the opposite side of things, when there are times I think – where it's very easy to get overwhelmed where you kind of can take on too many things. Mm-hmm. And so how would you tell people to handle like you've kind of gotten in too deep and you have so many things going on? Because I feel like I'm kind of a yes person where I'll just say yes to things and then I'm like holy shit, like I have so much going on and I don't know what to do. And then the anxiety comes back in the middle of the night. And so it's just kind of like how do you keep all of those things in check? Like you have a book but you're also writing a
0: screenplay, but yeah. The Beginning of this year, I had to write my podcast, write a book, and write a movie, and I was like, "Woohoo, here we go!" (laughs) Um, And so now I'm like, "Oh, those were the days." Uh, (laughs) uh, I think you just you schedule it and you work on one project at a time. When you're working on that project, you're working on that project, and you just like make your schedule work. And like, I was lucky enough that the notes on the movie kind of like took a while, so then I could finish up the book, and then Mm -hmm. once the you know, and like in this industry, like people aren't getting back to you right away, so you can kind of stagger your projects to like get this off so that you can work on something else while you're waiting to hear back about that first thing and like kind of just be a little strategic with it in that way. Right. Then you also just like prioritize and you're like what what has the actual deadline, What's deadline is looser, you know, mm-hmm. and then you just like sit down and, and do the work. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of like thinking that time means talent. Like I don't mm-hmm. think that things need to take forever for them to be good and i think that there's a lot of pressure to feel like if i you didn't slave away at something mm-hmm. then it can't possibly be good and i think that's garbage like all my best stuff has come easily to me because it's like good and you, <laughs> you enjoy <know>? it like, <laughs> and the things that i toil over and that take longer tend to be worse <laughs> so and that can also just be my process but i think i think like you have to just get things done
1: yeah and when you you know when what is the v- First time where you kind of had this moment of like, oh my God, like I can actually be a writer. Like, baby Allison is
0: excited right now. (laughs) When I got hired at BuzzFeed as a writer, I was like, oh my God, because that was the first time I'd ever been paid to write. And that Mm. was huge for me. Yeah. It was like, woo, here we go. (laughs) Um,
1: I know, I'm sure like we've both experienced the same thing where you get something like BuzzFeed and then you decide to leave or Mm -hmm. it's time to go Mm -hmm. you know like how do you handle that transition because I know that you know even for me when I left I was like am I leaving something great or am I going to like make my own path are there greater things outside
0: of this I think you have to view yourself as the commodity like you are the thing not the company not the project not whatever because it's like you know it's It's not like we're gonna like it's the 1950s and we're a company man for ibm and we're just gonna like work there for 50 years you know like this industry most of the time you're project to project company to company and like you just have to remember that you're the thing and Mm -hmm. that you can flourish and like do different things in different places and that like no one can take you away from you
1: Mm -hmm. and do you find yourself do you find it easy to compare yourself to other people that are doing the same thing? Or like you said, like you're the commodity, you have this, you know, everybody has this unique voice and you kind of get work from being so unique at the same time.
0: I think I compare myself less to other people. I've definitely... Taken a step back from social media mm-hmm. and like I don't like my numbers on Instagram are like plummeting and mm-hmm. that really upset me for a while. And then I was like, I can't control this, <laughs> you know, and, and like honestly, the fact that the numbers are going down makes me feel like I don't need to post as much. I don't need to care as much mm-hmm. about it. Like it's not as as I'm working more in the traditional sense of the industry and being hired for like long form projects as a writer versus like just selling stuff because like I have a following like Mm -hmm. that stuff matters less to me so that's like definitely made me less competitive
1: Mm -hmm. I definitely see that for not like I see your numbers (laughs) but like I've experienced this is the same thing and it's almost like wow like I was offended at first but Mm -hmm. then at the same time I'm like why am I using this to make myself worth and it was kind of a wake-up call to be like Oh my god! Like I'm putting my worth in the amount of followers I have.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's like a kind very of scary. dangerous path. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then I was like, do I was like, what can I do to like make myself bigger? And I'm like, this is not good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Like, I'm not being good to myself right now. No, even just thinking about this right now is stressing me oh out. My god. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Um, oh, I don't want to even (laughs) – and it's hard, like, with the channel, too, like, way less views, losing subscribers, and it's, like, it's hard to stay motivated to create content when that's what's happening. But at the same time, it's like, well, this is what gave me my career. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I got to keep going, like, you know, and it's kind of about finding a balance and also that, like, how you feel one month isn't how you're going to feel the next month. So, like – right. Because I was really busy, we took some months off of the channel. And then now I'm, like, less busy, so we're, like, doing more videos. You know, like, right. it doesn't – I think I felt like everything had to be very rigid before mm-hmm. and, like, like stay the same week to week, and I, I don't feel that much as, anymore.
1: Yeah, definitely. And there there is this pressure sometimes of, like – you need to be posting like so many times X Y and Z like every time a week and it it's just like it makes me go freaking crazy <laughs> you know um, but in terms of working in the traditional sense of you know being able to write and just kind of do what you enjoy you oh know? I hate writing but yeah
0: what. <laughs> To be a writer, though I do, but I hate it. It's the worst. Like what's it, like
1: just boring, or yeah, just so ter- it upsets I upsets mean, you. I,
0: if you if you meet a writer who says they like writing, I, I think they're <laughs> I think they're lying or they're a bad writer. Like it's a it's a horrible profession. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Um, like the days when I don't, I went home to like take care of my mom for because she had like knee replacement surgery, and she was like, oh, "I'm so sorry, you're stuck in the house like taking care of me." And I was like, honestly, any day I'm not writing, what a wonderful day. <laughs> like this is a breeze <laughs> what is your favorite thing that you've ever written mm. my favorite thing i've ever written is probably the script i went out with this year that didn't sell so that was pretty devastating oh <laughs> but it always is those things yeah so. and, it, and like i was really like oh this is the best thing this is gonna this is gonna be it and i like had showrunners attached and we took it everywhere at every place like no thanks
1: <laughs> so for people that want to be writers or don't really know the process what is the process of you have this great script
0: and you want to sell it and you want to shop it what do you do well you need reps so I have reps and my manager is excellent Um, and so he was like I think we should attach showrunners and so then he sent the script to some showrunners and these this pair who are great they responded and I met with them and I love them and they came on board and then I did a rewrite under their Guidance, and also through the guidance of this other company that um, that didn't attach to the project. <laughs> uh, they were like, "This is better." We still don't want it. Um, and then uh, my manager set up meetings like at every pretty much at every network, and we went in, and I would pitch the show, and then they'd say, "Cool," and then they'd later call my manager and say, "No, thanks." Oh, oh <laughs> but my sometimes, god! Sometimes they call and say yes, but that's much more rare. Oh my god! So when they, when someone says yes, they buy it
1: or they take it, is there a possibility that it still
0: won't get made? Oh, I've sold four TV shows and I, there's the hope that one will still get made, but three of them never got made. One of them went to pilot and then the other two never even went to pilot. Oh,
1: okay. So, so now I'm just like being a nerd. Like, like, this girl's an idiot. (laughs) But So it sells and then they don't make it, so they keep it?
0: forever or can you like take it back <laughs> it depends on the company and like w- w- what the deal is and also if they're going to be mean or not you know one show we sold to fx um when they passed they were like really cool and they were like you can go out with it other places it's just mm-hmm. not for us so we went out with the other places and guess what it wasn't for anyone else either <laughs> um <laughs> oh my
1: god writing sounds so hard oh my god <laughs> But amazing at the same time. Well, we'll
0: see. Um, <laughs> but that—that's what's really drew us to to books. Is like if you sell a book, that book's going to exist, right? Like in TV, there's like eight million times that you can get canceled before you even hit the air. Yeah. Like you can literally like you know, be shoot your whole pilot, at it, and then they're like no, or like they there's been cases where they've shot they've greenlit a series only to cancel it and then not even air any of the episodes. So, Ugh. Like you're like so until you're in front of that TV and the your episode is playing like you know, don't count your eggs before they hatch. Um, but with books, what's great is, like, you sell a book and they're like, the book is coming out, <laughs> so better write it or better edit it or, you know, and yeah. so that's been a really cool experience. That's what's so
1: crazy is that I see so many bad shows mm-hmm. and I'm like, there has to be a lot better scripts out there.
0: You know what I mean? You know, a lot of things is, like, who's attached, like, is there a celebrity EP? Like, what's, you know, mm-hmm. like, what is the team? What, you know, like, what's the star power? Like, it's it's a lot of things, and it's also, like, what does the network want at that moment? Does the network know what they want at that moment? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just tough.
1: Mm. So moving forward at this point, you know, what do you hope to do? I guess in the next year,
0: <laughs> <A> few months. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping I have a show I that I have to write um, a pilot for and a bible, and I'll have to do that. And then I'm finishing up a movie that I'm writing for um, a commercial director to make his first feature. So. I probably have like another I've done two drafts of that. I probably have another polish on that. Um and then hopefully the TV show moves forward. I I mean, I'm hoping that Gossip gets a second season, mm-hmm. so please please listen to it. <laughs> and uh tweet at Stitcher that you want a second season. Um you know, I'm I'm hoping to maybe sell a book that's that's uh I write by myself. Mm-hmm. Um and just whatever it's possible, like just keeping my options open and like juggling as many things as I can and Yeah you know and then there's things where it's like you have a good meeting with a company and they're like here's this open writing assignment well, you know based off this article what would your idea of that be and then like you write that up and then you're like ooh i hope they pay me to write the script and and wow. then they don't but oh. you know like it's just maybe <laughs> they <tried>. maybe <laughs> they will you know it's so, like you never know what's going to happen and you just kind of have to be like not precious and just like you know you, it's never one project it's like your career yeah Well,
1: I feel like I definitely learned a lot about the process, even in this (laughs) small amount of time. (laughs) I feel like you should just go touring to colleges and be like, this is the real
0: world. (laughs) Um, It's a nightmare. (laughs) And honestly, it's going pretty well for me, and it's still miserable. (laughs) Um, But thank you
1: so much for coming on. Thank you for bringing in your little pup. I'm glad that I could see her. Um, So you can find Gossip on... Apple anywhere you get
0: podcasts. yeah anywhere you listen to podcasts um and where can we find you I'm at Allison Raskin on Twitter and Instagram and then I'm my novel it's called I Hate Everyone But You <laughs> and the channel is called Just Between Us
1: perfect all right thank you so much thank you and um I guess I'll see you guys next time goodbye. <laughs>